Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Dynasty Bulls Podcast. Nick Hales is a rescue partner, and Joshua Johnson is here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build foundation. This is the Dynasty Bulls, presented by the Dynasty Football Winner. in terms of playing the game. And I'm highly critical because of the way we give games away. We give them away. Period. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Oh, it is fantasy playoff time. Welcome, welcome to the Dynasty Pulse. I absolutely love the anger in Bill Callahan's voice on the clip right before that. He says, we give them away. Give them away. <laughs> uh, I am Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins. Wagner. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. I got a quick uh, non-football-related question for you. So last Ooh. night I came very close to getting bit by a centipede. Now, from what I've read, the pain from the centipede bites out here is comparable to a gunshot wound, and the only cure is to stay drunk for three days. So I got a question for you. If it had bitten, would you rather I do the show today crying in pain or hammering? Hmm. (laughs) Uh, In case you don't know where Nick's talking about, he does live in Hawaii. It's a little bit of a background. Um, I also know for a fact, and I hate to always bring this up, but Nick has fallen through two glass tables. Whether one was an accident or not, that's still to be left <laughs> up to the judge. So as long as there was no glass around you, I, I'll i take you anyway, buddy. All right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have an awesome show for you today. Uh, of course, the pl- fantasy playoffs are underway. I hope you won your match or made your playoffs or whatever is going on. Um. I should tell Nick, before I forget, that our my first-round matchup in my home league is against our buddy Kevin. So I purposely drafted Eli Manning way too high just because he was this person that I'm playing kept Odell Beckham. So I did it for a reason, and now I have to start Eli on the road, which I'm not too excited about, but hopefully it counters uh, Mr. Odell Beckham 
could be an interesting Monday night. We'll just <laughs> put it at that. Uh, but we have some uh, great things planned for you today. Uh, we're hitting it hard today because we know this is the playoffs. We know that you guys have vital decisions to make for your lineup. So I'm gonna, we're going to try to get in as many as possible. If you're listening out there, you can tweet me at Josh underscore DFW Pulse, and we'll try to get it into the show. But we're going to really hit them hard today. Of course, we're going to get some thoughts on Week 13. That was Nick's going to rant. A few waiver recommendations here and there. Uh, some dynasty tra- trade analysis. Um, of course, we have a dynasty dilemma as well as we put two New York strong safeties against each other. A little prospect profile action as well as we take a look at uh, Farrell Cooper. Uh, wide receiver USC and lettered Fournette Edge Georgia University Dogs. Uh, and then it'll be ATS time as Mr. Chuck Podeski stops by. So uh, make sure you stick around for the entire show. It's going to be a fun-filled two hours or so. We'll just leave it at that. Nick, any thoughts on uh, week 13 that was? Well, first off, it was a good week to be a young quarterback drafted in the first round. Uh, Cam Newton had five touchdowns. Jameis Winston had a 20-yard run on third and 19 during the Buccaneers' game-winning drive. Uh, Blaine freaking Gabbert was responsible for tying the game in the fourth quarter with a 44-yard touchdown run, then led the 49ers to the upset over Chicago with a 71-yard pass for a touchdown to Torrey Smith in overtime. And then, of course, the Titans over the Jaguars. Blake Bortles, five touchdowns, three of those to Allen Robertson. Robinson in the losing effort. Mariota had four total touchdowns, including the 87-yard run. Those two teams combined for 41 points only in the first 10 minutes of the fourth quarter alone. That is just crazy. Uh, David Johnson is who he thought he was, to paraphrase Dennis Green. Uh, 99 rushing yards and two scores. Uh, now, I think it might be time to give up on Ladarius Green ever being a thing. San Diego is signing guys off the streets to play wide receiver and catch passes, but he still only caught two balls last week. Well, I'm starting to think that even when Antonio Gates does retire, Green just might never be that tight end one that everybody assumed he would develop into. Uh, finally, a lot of owners uh, were burned by the running backs this week. Eddie Lacy was benched without public warning, uh, kind of the same situations with DeMarco Murray and Alfred Morris and Alfred Blue, although if you were depending on those last three, you probably were a little bit desperate. Uh, in Kansas City, it seems like West and Ware are in a 50-50 timeshare. West had two less carries, but he did get a touchdown. Todd Gurley, nine carries for 41 yards. Adrian Peterson, eight carries for 18 yards. And then, of course, James White was the top New England running back in PPR leagues, 10 catches, 115 yards through the year. But on a positive note, best ball league owners of Kadeem Carey rejoice. He scored his first NFL touchdown. Yay. Ah, yes. Wait, real quick here. If you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Uh, as a dynasty owner of Alfred Blue, I'm glad you brought that up. I can honestly say I have not played him at all this year when he scored a touchdown. So I'll let you know in the future when I have him in my lineups. So, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a frustrating situation, but i got to do it myself. So um, Miami goes a little conservative under new uh, offensive coordinator. Was this just a uh, get-your-feet-wet type of game or what? Just nine for 19 passing for Ryan Tannehill? Um Devontae Parker, the only player to have more than six yards receiving, I think, on that team that game. Uh, he did score a touchdown, so that's, uh, that's good news for uh, for Parker uh, owners. He's, I'm sure, spent a high pick on him. Um, the Panthers, I think, get stronger through another huge victory. They didn't cover the spread for you betters, and I'm sure Cam is super sorry about that. 
Uh, but he is Superman, and all he does is win. So uh, there it is. Uh, that actually begs me to start answer a qu- ask you a question, Nick. Now, obviously, Cam Newton is in the MVP discussion. But if you happen to watch the big comeback in that game and uh, watch Greg Olson catch the ball off of the turf, which was an actual catch site. You know, the rest didn't screw this up. But it just got me thinking. I mean, obviously, Cam Newton is a candidate. But where would Cam Newton be without Greg Olson? One can argue Greg Olson is just as more important to this team as or just as valuable to this team as Cam Newton. Obviously, Cam's the ones out there making plays, but uh, Olsen makes plenty of them, too. What are your thoughts there? I mean, obviously, a tight end's never going to win the MVP, but uh, what, do you, what do you think? Well, I see where you're coming from, and I wouldn't say never win the MVP. Yeah, I wouldn't rule out Gronkowski from doing that at some point during his career, but, you know, Olsen, very impressive. Nine catches, 129 yards last week. Uh, you mentioned that ball that he nearly scooped off the ground. Like you said, it was a catch, but... Uh, yeah, I could see – I see your point is where he's as valuable to his team than as Cam Newton. I wouldn't say more valuable, though, especially when you factor in Cam Newton's got those rushing yards. Uh, I would say – I would still give the edge to Cam Newton, although it is close. Olsen is having one heck of a Yeah, and I guess my point is I don't think he is more valuable. I think the point is just that maybe he's just – I mean, Cam Newton doesn't win the MVP if that is the case, without Greg Olson. I mean, they got Jericho Cotri making plays. I mean, Ted Ginn couldn't step on the field for the offense when he was in Arizona, and he's one of their top receivers now that he returned to Carolina. I mean, Olson has just been kind of like uh, like Witten was there for a while there in Dallas before, you know, some some age started to show. And Olson's getting up there in age, too, but he has just been such a – such a key component of that team. Yeah, he's not putting up Gronkowski numbers. He's not going to go, you know, he's not going to get 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns, but he's just been a super great player. Um, PPR alert. We haven't had one of these for a while. I forget I forget that. That's one of my favorite things just to say. I don't know why. But it is PPR alert because nobody plays standard formats anymore, right? Um, PPR alert. It's time to trust Buck Allen. And by that I mean Mark Tressman. Obviously trust Buck Allen. Uh quite the game for him a lot of a lot of catches uh some decent running yards so uh unfortunately he does he does run into a wall named seattle this week so <laughs> this might not be the week but if you do own him you probably owned justin Forsett and redraft leagues and you're you're maybe just desperate to start him so i still think he's a decent uh ppr guy even even this week although i wouldn't expect uh the world from him and um one thing I was super impressed with, and every, we were all about the Houston Texans going on the road and getting the victory at Buffalo last week, Nick. Uh, they neutralized J.J. Watt, just two tackles and two two assists. Uh, I, I, don't, I didn't have a chance to watch the game film in full, but uh, I, I was impressed by the fact that they were able to, uh, like I said, neutralize the uh, stat monster that is J.J. Watt. Any, any, any thoughts there? Did you catch me that game? I did not catch that game, but uh, you know the offensive coordinators that are going up against Houston are going to be studying that film very intently to see what they did. It's no small feat slowing down a guy like J.J. Watt. Yeah, most definitely. Well, each and every week we like to do a little something that we like to call Nick Rants. Sometimes I like to call it Shots Fired. Sometimes I like to ramble on so I can get to the Nick Rants. Uh, Sometimes I like to call it the... uh, Sometimes controversial, controversial, often controversial. Um, 
But uh, and sometimes it's Redskin related. Sometimes it's John Manziel related. Isn't that weird to say John Manziel? But anyway, not to get off the uh, subject, but Johnny is returning to starting form this week. Or so you got there, buddy. Well, it seems to be a reoccurring theme lately, but once again, I want to talk about accountability, this time in Washington. And I try not to do too many Homer rants, but hey, we do like, what, 50 shows a year, and there's only 32 teams, so occasionally it's going to happen. Now, I don't know if you or any non-NFC East fans stayed up for the end of the Monday Night Skins Cowboys game. You're excused if you didn't. That was terrible football being played by both sides through most of that game. But if you did, you saw maybe the worst punt return in history by Deshaun Jackson. And I'm not even talking about the fumble. You know what? Fumbles happen. Those things happen. But really, after advancing the ball to around the 23-yard line, you're going to retreat 20 yards back to your own three? I mean, maybe that's excusable from a rookie out of Division three school used to being twice as fast as everybody else on the field. But Deshaun Jackson has over 100 games under his belt. So for an experienced guy to do that, with two minutes left in the game, against a hated rival on Monday night, when your team is playing for first place, I just don't believe there's a place for that on a team with playoff aspirations. The Skins should just cut him. I mean, what's he done this year? He's got under 20 catches, under 300 yards in the six games he's been available for. That's like three catches per game. It's not like you're cutting Antonio Brown. And, you know, did you notice after the fumble, it looked like the only guy controlling him on the sidelines was the forgotten Robert Griffin? Ouch. And, you know, in hindsight, Washington should have just never signed him. You know, they won four games with him last year. Without Deshaun Jackson's 1,100 yards and six touchdowns, maybe they would have only won one or two games. They could have drafted a real quarterback, Winston or Mariota, and had a brighter future than they have now. GM Scott McLuhan wants to be the toughest, most physical team. Deshaun Jackson doesn't fit that mold at all. Just make an example out of him and cut it. But, you know, it's Washington, so I read today that Gruden said, that, hey, they're going to keep him returning punts. Ugh. <laughs> And they're talking about a contract extension. No, I haven't heard that. Uh, <laughs> um, well, for you know, in case it does come to it, I'm, we have a very successful indoor football team here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. If DJX and, and Griffin want to just maybe explore their options, um, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, but um, as somebody who who works many hours on Mondays, I can honestly say I did not watch a single second of that game. Um, I did see the highlight or highlights, you know, the, the kickoff or the field goal that won the game. That was pretty much all you really needed to see, I guess. That was probably the best play in the entire game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you don't expect a veteran move like that, especially at that point in time in a game. you got to realize what what time it is. I mean, what what's going on, the situation, and you just just don't expect that at all. So, you know, for all we know, GJ will probably be a Patriot next year and get 1,200 yards under that, under that tutelage. So, uh, uh, we'll leave it at that. Jamison Crowder is the future in Washington. Any uh, any waiver recommendations there, Nick? Uh, well, I mean, it just depends on your situation. If you're not in, uh, in the playoffs this year, then you're looking at players who could have bigger roles next year. Take a look at some quarterbacks, Bryce Petty in New York Jets, uh, Sean Mannion with the Rams, and if Drew Brees retires, maybe even Garrett Grayson could have opportunities to compete for starting jobs next year. Uh, it's a little bit tougher to find guys to contribute right now if you are in the playoffs. Uh, Brian Hartline is a guy who might be out there who's been putting up pretty decent numbers in Cleveland. Uh, Juwan Thompson in Denver and Kenyon Barner, a couple running backs seem to be getting more work lately, as is uh, James White in New England and Chris Polk in Houston, although those last two are in 
really tough backfields to predict. Uh, Will Ty at tight end and uh, the wide receiver Dwayne Harris and New York Giants are both addable, mostly due to the fact that neither of them is named Ruben Randall, who's just been terrible this year. Uh, who do you got for us on waivers? Uh, well, I really only have one, and it's the guy that I've been holding out for all season. It took about 12 weeks, uh, but it's Devontae Parker. Um, Jarvis Landry is currently dinged up, and he played last week. He probably should have two catches for five yards, and we already talked about the uh, the new OC there and kind of what their game plan was. But uh, Parker was was the man that shined through, and, uh, you know, Greg Jennings, Rashard Matthews, uh whoever else the wide receiver is. Kenny Stills, the guys on this team, uh, did not see nearly as many targets as Parker has last week. And I, I think moving forward, you know, it, it's okay to, uh, you know, probably start him if you own him in Dynasty. You know, if you if you spent the pick on him, you gotta be you got to be excited to get him in there, especially in the playoffs. you got to just roll these players that are peaking and realize, realize well, you know, what the situation is around them. In redraft leagues, I was, I was able to grab him uh, last week before the game started because I knew I knew Landry was kind of a question mark. So I thought, well, I might as well get Parker if Landry doesn't play. So, uh, yeah, re- redrafters, get him and start him in your playoffs. I, I think it's I think it's a, a smart move. If if you need a receiver, this is a guy that's peaking. So you really need to uh, need to consider consider your options and look at what's going around around going along in the situation there in Miami. Uh, that was a whole lot on Devontae Parker, but I do I do like him, and I love the fact that he's finally getting getting a chance. He's been a little dinged up this year. He seems healthy now, and he's ready to go. Um, any thoughts on Parker? I mean, he was the only one making plays in this passing game. Yeah, I mean, that was a very impressive catch uh, where he jumped up and made that touchdown grab last week. So, yeah, I agree with you definitely. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be around in the dynasty format, but in redraft leagues, yeah, mm-hmm. he's definitely got to be one of the top ads. Mm-hmm. And if you invested on dynasty, this is this is the time to roll him out. I know it's I know it's risky in the playoffs, but uh, if you took a if you took him in the first round, you probably needed a receiver uh, and certainly needed one for the future. Um, the future is now, I guess. We'll say. Uh, hope and then watch. He'll probably get one catch for five yards next week. But <laughs> uh, I wouldn't bet on. I wouldn't bet on that. That's for sure. Uh, let's get to some sitter start. Like I said, we got a whole lot of them planned for you today because the, it's important times, people. We know what's going on. Uh, Jay Cutler versus Nick Ritz, Nick's Redskins or Brock Osweiler versus my Raiders. What do you think there, Nick? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Brock Osweiler. You know, for all their flaws, the Washington has a very physical defense, and Jay Cutler is known to get rattled by that at times. Uh, whereas the Oakland Raiders seem to be kind of falling apart a little bit lately. Uh, I could see uh, Brock mm-hmm. Osweiler seizing the chance to uh, get the starting job permanently starting this week. Yep, he's, it's, it's official that he is going to start this week. And last I checked, Oakland has a pretty terrible secondary. <laughs> it's not getting any better. Uh, David Amerson is is defensing balls, but that is really about it. And it's just real easy to throw away from one guy. So um, I think Denver probably will try to set a precedent with their running game, but that's certainly going to open things up uh, down the field. And I think eventually they will realize that that's the Oakland weakness. And I am not very excited about Oakland visiting Denver this week. Uh, I, I love Derek Carr, and uh, I hope we we make it look good. And I obviously would be ecstatic if uh, 
if they won, but uh, I'm not uh, not holding out too much hope for that. Let's put, leave it at that. What do we think, Nick, about Matt Ryan at Carolina or Matt? It's can I say Matt Stafford or is he for Matthew? I feel like it's always said Matthew Stafford. I'm going to say Matt Stafford. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the quarterback for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> uh, so Matt Stafford at St. Louis or Matt Ryan at Carolina. Oh, that doesn't even sound so. What do you got for us? Uh, to me, this one's a no-brainer. i got to go with Matthew Stafford. Uh, the Lions are hot. The Falcons are cold. Carolina's playing for home field advantage and possibly an undefeated season, whereas last week the Rams looked like they were playing to get a new head coach. I, I think the only way you're going with Matt Ryan is if you see a lot of garbage time points, but I just don't see that. Plus, you look at Matt Ryan's only got one good receiver to throw to. Stafford has two solid receivers, so I, it's all the way Matt Stafford for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one would think, especially after you know giving up some points last week to Carolina, that Maybe the Carolina pass defense has got some weaknesses, or maybe their overall ranking isn't isn't the greatest because you know they've been obviously winning and teams have been able to throw against them. But you know what? That number is not jaded. They're still number two against the run and uh, number seven against the pass. So don't start anybody versus Carolina, especially your quarterbacks uh, or running backs for that matter. Uh, moving forward, if you unless you don't want to win in the playoffs or or, what, or whatever, so uh, yeah, I uh, I got to go Matthew Stafford there, like you said. Uh, Golden Tate, you know, even my guy Ebron, who I signed to replace Gronk last week, scored a touchdown. He only had two, one other catch, but uh, Golden and then Megatron certainly uh, he's been dinged up a little bit here and there, but they also got three theoretic catching passes out of the out of the backfield, so. Uh, I think St. Louis is going to stifle any type of running attempts that Detroit tries to do, and uh, their rushing attack is not very good anyway. So, yeah, Stafford's going to have to throw in this one. Um, moving forward, in the same game here, Drew Brees or Jameis Winston game in Tampa. What do you think? Game at Tampa. Well, at first glance, you'd probably say Drew Brees, but he's just got such a low floor this season. Uh, so even though it's risky, I think I would go with Winston, who's playing pretty good football right now. And Plus, uh, New Orleans has given up 380 points this year. Second worst team in the NFL as far as points allowed, 347. So that's that's worse by quite a large margin by that New Orleans defense. Now, Tampa Bay has given up almost 300 300 points themselves, so it's not a bad matchup for Drew Brees. But, you know, especially playing at home, I think I'll go with the rookie Winston. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this is going to be the uh, the repeat of Eli at at New Orleans. They're not going to you know combine for fourteen touchdowns or whatever the hell it was that day. I don't think that's going to be the case. Maybe it was thirteen, but yeah, Tampa Bay is currently fifteenth against the pass and seventh against the rush. New Orleans certainly has a decent rushing game. Mark Ingram's having a, having a pretty good year. And Tampa started out not very very good on defense and certainly come around. That Tampa two scheme is really holding holding tight and getting better each and every week and yeah, the Saints pass defenses. Well, we know it's not very good. Um even though Drew Brees did put up twenty three points versus the the Carolina Panthers last week, I, I still don't think you can roll with him, especially Winston versus that secondary. Um Moving forward, uh, out of the quarterbacks, oh, my gosh, a couple juicy ones here, Nick. So, I, uh, obviously, if you have both these guys, you probably want to play them both. Uh, but let's just choose between the one. Thomas Rawls at Baltimore. So, it is Seattle on the road. 
uh, or Chuck Hendrick West at versus the Chargers? Uh, well, this one just comes down to the fact is in the timeshare now, whereas Rawls is receiving the Lions' share of the carries for Seattle. Uh, both these defenses gave up about 130 rushing yards last week, so it's pretty even matchup-wise. So to me, it's just who's going to get more touches, and that's going to be Thomas Rawls. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way of this offense. Um, they really like what Spencer Ware is doing there in Kansas City, too, and being the fact that they are, you know, a playoff team, I think they're going to spell both of these guys. Uh, they're going to spell each other. So I, I think, like you said, Raw's going to definitely have uh, more opportunity, and I am very excited to start him this week, that's for sure. Um, let, ooh, we've got a three-headed monster here. Dare we start Latavius Murray against this Denver defense, or do you try to figure out which – Denver running back is going to come through. Is it going to be Latavius Murray or Hillman or C.J. Anderson? What do you think there, Nick? You know what? I think I'm going to – I don't like – I don't love any of them, but I think I would take Murray. Uh, that Denver backfield has just been so frustrating all year. Uh, you know, maybe Anderson misses the game and Ronnie Hillman starts, and then from the second series on, it's all Juwan Thompson. We just have no idea. Seems like Ronnie Hillman's fool's gold this season. Uh, whereas, you know, with uh, Latavius Murray, you know he's going to get most of the carries for Oakland. He had 20 carries last week. The next leading rusher only had two carries. Plus, uh, Murray also had four catches, so he contributes there in PPR format. So i, I got to go with Latavius Murray. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a hard call here because, you know, uh, Hillman or Anderson certainly could have, you know, like a two-touchdown game and that type of thing. I just don't know how that's going to going to play out. You would expect uh, Denver to have the lead in this game, uh, and it sounds weird to consider starting uh, Murray. Denver is currently fifth against the the rush and first against the pass, so that's uh, given me good cause not to start Derek Carr this week and roll with uh, roll with Mr. Eagle. And Denver, obviously, the weakness for Oakland is their uh, their secondary. But um, you know, against the run, they are excuse me against the pass. They're excuse me against the run. They are still 17th, so they're still not very good against the run either. I know they have guys making IDP stats, but it's just a it's not a it's good situation. But like you said, we just don't know which Denver guy is going to get the touches, and if you have. If you have the benefit of choosing one of these three, you got to go Murray. Just you know, and maybe pray that he gets a goal line touchdown and makes it uh, makes it worth it, or he gets to his uh, projected points. So, uh, good call there, Nick. Um, Ruben Randall, who we've already chosen that discussed that you don't like. Uh, Ruben Randall at Miami, or Devontae Parker versus the Giants. Well, uh, Devontae Parker's barely played at all this year, uh, whereas the New York Giants fans wish that Reuben Randall hadn't played <laughs> at all. He's been so bad. So, you know, hopefully this is just like your wide receiver three, wide receiver four. It's you know, a pretty tough situation if you're going any higher right here. But I, I would go with Parker, who we talked about earlier. He, he had that very impressive touchdown last week. I think that's going to earn him some more trust from quarterback Ryan Tannehill. That, yeah, Parker. Um, And the Giants' defense right now is just, Ugh, 390 yards last week to Ryan Fitzpatrick. 390 yards to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know the guy is a game manager and a veteran, but uh, 
yeah, the the Giants' pass defense is thirty uh, first in the league. So yeah, I, uh, Parker's going to find some holes there. They, you know, they have a, that's a good, another thing where they have guys making IDP stats in the secondary, but that's for a reason because this defense is so spotty. They have to make plays because there's always people in that secondary uh, making plays against them. So yeah, I think you got to go Parker here. Go with the guy that's peaking. You know, Randall. I, I I know Nick's been a little harsh on him, but he has been dinged up this year too. I owner for a while in a redraft league and. He just hasn't been healthy, I think, really since week three or four. So, And uh, he has had some pretty bad weeks when he's been out there as well. Uh, what do we think about Jordan Matthews versus the Bills for Martavius Bryant at Cincinnati? Uh, well, this season I'd have a hard time start trusting Jordan Matthews in any week. He's been so boomer bust. He's been a really big disappointment this year. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, really thought he was going to break out this season. Uh, but Martavis Bryant, in seven games, he's got five games with a touchdown, and in two of the last three games he's gone over 100 yards. Uh, the last time uh, the Steelers and Bengals, Matt Bryant only had four catches for 49 yards, but I think he'll do a lot better than that this week. I would take Martavis Bryant over Jordan Matthews. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I think Buffalo is is, is a team that's hot right now, and you know Shady and company is going to want to be uh, going to be ready in that game. I'm sure Philly and Chip Kelly is going to be ready for to face Shady as well. But uh, I I want to go Martavius in this game because I really like what I've seen out of uh, Marcus Sweet in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I don't think since he can cover all three of these guys and. Oh, yeah, that other receiver, what's his name, AB84, he's pretty darn good, too. So that's certainly going to leave, uh, I think, Bryant in single coverage for portions of this game. Maybe not in the red zone, but uh, we we all know that he can uh, can make plays, and he's had some big, long touchdowns, too. He's a pretty guy, pretty good guy with uh, yards per reception. So uh, you got you got to roll with the tower there in, uh, in Pittsburgh and Martavius. I, I I like the fact that they got three guys going right now, and Dienzo's doing some damage too. That's a, it's a pretty solid team there, and I don't think anybody wants to play them right now. It's going to be a great matchup, the interdivisional matchup there as they head to Cincinnati this weekend. Uh, Julius Thomas versus the Colts, who coming on a little bit. He still he still looked all right last week. Or uh, Jordan Matthews, Nick at at the Bears. What do you think? Uh, you mean Jordan Reed at the Bears, yes? Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, well, in Jacksonville, Allens and Hurdens is uh, cleared to play, so that could mean less targets for uh, Julius Thomas, who only had two catches last week when Hearns was out. Uh, uh, Jordan Reed is the clear-cut number one option in Washington's passing attack. So in PPR leagues, I definitely would go with Jordan Reed. In standard leagues, however, it's, uh, pretty, it's a lot closer than that, just because I think Julius Thomas is more likely to find the end zone. This Redskins offense seems to be sputtering a little bit as of late, so... Standard leagues, I might lean a little bit more towards Julius Thomas, but PPR, it's Jordan Reed all the way. And surprise, surprise, how are the Bears number two against the pass? But they are uh, right now. Maybe just, yeah, that it doesn't seem like that can be right, but that's what uh, my fantasy league says, that the Bears are number two against the pass. And, and I do hear you say it PPR-wise, uh, Reed certainly got guys that, uh, sees a lot of targets, and uh, we don't know what's gonna gonna happen there with Mr. G-Jax, But uh, I think, being the fact that Carol, excuse me, 
Jacksonville is 20. No, Jacksonville's playing Indiana, Indianapolis, who was 29th against the pass. I think everybody, everybody should be started in this game, just just by default, because obviously somebody's going to get left out, or somebody could get left out. But I think this is going to be a, a game that Jacksonville wants more than ever. This is a game that they they need to they need to have if they want to stay alive, and this is an opportunity where they can actually beat the Colts. I think they will. Uh, grasp that opportunity. I know I've had faith in Jacksonville before, and it hasn't happened. But uh, start your Jacksonville players this week. I think this is the 24 against the rush and 29th against the pass. Start your Jags offensive players. Uh, Charles Clay at Philadelphia or Austin Safair and Jenkins at versus the Saints. What do you think there, Nick? I'll take Austin Sperry and Jenkins. It's a very high-risk, high-reward type of play. But, you know, it's not like Clay is the safest bet either. Ryan Tannehill only had nine completions, 86 yards last week. Plus, you have Devontae Parker coming on, who's probably going to take some targets away there. Uh, the main reason for going with uh, Sperry and Jenkins, other than his amazing physical abilities when he's healthy, is that he's going up against that Saints defense, who's just terrible, terrible, terrible. So, you know, you said to play your Jaguars, probably play your Bucks too. Yeah, um, Clay is in Buffalo now, don't you? Did you say Tannehill? What's that? Oh, the, oh Wait, yeah, I'm, yeah. But I, I, I said Tannehill. I'm sorry. I, yeah, Clay is in Buffalo now. But and yeah. you know, it's yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the brain fart there. My bad. But <laughs> I, I, I still okay. go off to Brian Jenkins though. I, I just I believe in him when he's out there playing. I think he's gonna. He only he only played about a third of the snaps last week. I looked at to get over fifty percent this week as he's getting healthier. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be one of those things where Winston. I heard Winston looked in the huddle at the end of the game last week and said, "Who wants to score?" And Mike Evans immediately said, "Me, me." And he said, "All right." And then he threw him a touchdown pass. So I think in the fourth quarter of this game, Evan, uh, Winston will be in the huddle and be like, okay, who hasn't scored a touchdown yet? Okay, ASA, let's get you on there, buddy. Uh, they can do whatever they want. Um, so I know we're full IDP guys, and we're all Mr. Hashtag No Team TD, but uh, I thought this would be a fun one just to, just to consider. What do we think about – this is two pretty good defenses here. Um, Arizona – or the Vikings defense. So Arizona Minnesota defense in the Thursday night matchup tomorrow night. Nick, what do you think? Well, you said they're both pretty good defenses, but they're both uh, defenses that are dealing with some injuries too. But I think I would take the Arizona defense simply because if I had to guess which quarterback is more likely to make a mistake, the second-year Teddy Bridgewater or the veteran Carson Palmer, who's playing at near MVP level right now, you'd have to bet against the younger. So Arizona defense. One thing I wanted to uh, elaborate on last week that I didn't. Um, and when we talked about Romo versus Flacco, is uh, you know Romo is way under an interception per game for his career. Carson Palmer is actually like fifteen, maybe ten, maybe ten interceptions more than games started. Uh, so he he is certainly a guy that makes mistakes. But um, I did read. I didn't. I just saw a headline that Minnesota is missing. Going to be missing three defensive starters next tomorrow night in that game. So, I think you gotta you gotta rule with the Arizona defense just because. Uh, well, for one, that Vikings offensive line is brutal. I know I keep pounding that home, but you have to see it to believe <laughs> to believe it if you if you're questioning me. But uh, yeah, I think you got to go Arizona, especially home team. 
uh, big stage. I and obviously what happened last week versus uh, Seattle too. It's got a factor into your mind there too. Is uh, that's not going to leave Minnesota a hot team at this point in time. That's for sure. So yes, Arizona it is. Ooh, it's uh, time for Dynasty Dilemma. Uh, we do this each and every week where we pit two players against each other. Uh, it was Nick's turn to go first. So I'm going to play the music, and then Nick will go as the Landon Collins versus Kelton Pryor. say that I really like both of these young safeties out of New York, but I just believe that Landon Collins has a slightly more dependable future for fantasy owners. Now, I know Colin Pryor's only missed three games due to injury this year, so it's not fair to call him injury prone, but since Collins has played every game and also outweighs Pryor by nearly 20 pounds, I would say that uh, Collins is probably less of an injury risk. And now, versatility is great if you're an NFL player. The more you can do, the more likely it is you stay employed and can help your team out in different ways. But for IDP safeties, that versatility can be a detriment to their value. You know, unless a guy is a true ball hawk, and Pryor only has one interception this year, so I wouldn't put him in that category. So if a player isn't an interception machine, then I want them strictly at st- uh, strong safety, stopping the run and racking up those tackle numbers. And that's what Landon Collins is. While Pryor has played more strong safety this year than he did last year, he does still get moved around some, and in the future, if the Jets get a rash of injuries at the free safety position, he could move around even more. Plus, as uh, DSW's IDP expert Sean Kirby pointed out, their production this year is very similar, but since Collins is only a rookie, that means he could have a higher ceiling in future years. And, I mean, really, you're splitting hairs between these two, but I personally love the fact that Landon Collins says he tries to model his game after the late Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor, you know, that's a very high bar to set. You love to see these youngsters not content just with being good players. Collins wants to be a great player. That's the kind of attitude I want to see from my guys. Josh? Oh, yes. It may surprise a lot of people that I actually wanted Calvin Pryor in this one. I am a huge Landon Collins fan, and I actually own uh, both these guys. In multiple leagues, so uh, and I own both of them in one league as well, so I'm obviously very happy about that. But I wanted Calvin Pryor in this one just because I think it's it's smart and uh, you know somewhat uh, um, humanizing or dehumanizing, whatever you want to say, to really look at the the players that you love so much. I think it's smart to really. Look and look and compare people against them. You know, you got to look, you got to realize that you know they're not perfect because you think they're awesome. You got to realize that they have faults too. Um, so I, it's it's fun to flip the coin for me, um, especially since I I am not at this dilemma. Like I said, I own both of them. Um, Kelvin Pryor took a lot of heat and grief as a rookie for looking lost. Well, that's because the powers that be within the Jets organization decided to make their drafted strong safety a free safety. Um, hence, he was tr- he was playing a new position while trying to make the jump from Louisville to the NFL. Um, the new regime, led by defensive mastermind Todd Bowles, uh, made a simple yet effective adjustment. 
letting Pryor return to the position that made him a first-round draft choice. It seems it seems simple, but, uh, I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's just made a lot more sense. They brought in Gilchrist to play uh, free safety, and, and why where they still do flip around here and there. Um, I, I, I like, obviously, Pryor's IDP stock was down, and you probably, if you own him, got him at a better better rate, excuse me, because of that. Um, this could this label could be labeled box crushers as mainly because the strong safety position has become such a linebacker hybrid nowadays because these guys are just in, you know in the box crushers. Uh, Pryor may may have struggled at strong safety as a rook, but ultimately I feel that could give him a better understanding of the way things break down and how they develop. Now, injuries this season have caused Pryor to miss has caused Pryor's numbers to be somewhat un- unimpressive and they're on par with Collins. I do hear what you're saying. I do want to thank uh, uh, Sean Kirby for providing insight for both sides, even though he was certainly in Nick's camp on this one, but providing some good insight on both sides of this for us. So, like I said, Pryor's numbers are somewhat unimpressive and they're on par with Collins, because, like I said, because of injuries. Um, I don't think he has durability issues. I just think he's had some, some nagging things that have caused him to miss on time this year, and the Jets are, are deep, and Todd Bowles certainly knows what he's doing. But I think ultimately that's going to help him just be more versatile for this offense. And um, where Collins might be an every down strong safety, I think uh, Pryor certainly is going to have the opportunity to get uh, uh, more uh, turnovers. I know that hasn't been the case so far, but I, I think that certainly more of an opportunity for him to do so. Um, so you might view Collins as being ahead of schedule um, since he since he is a rookie this this year. Uh, because because of the numbers are right there, but uh, and I like I said I've written scrolls of praises for Collins and his talent, but I believe and I believe he will go far, uh, and I really think we're talking about two potential Hall of Famers here, uh, but prior I think maybe just in the short maybe like the next five to eight years might actually be a better play. I think both of these guys have a have a great decade ahead of them, but because the Giants' defense has been so dinged up and so spotty this year. I think that might actually put more pressure on Collins over the next couple of years to perform. And, yeah, he might outproduce prior next year, but maybe maybe the, the couple of years after that, or, you know, the three to four years after that, maybe Collins has unfortunately, you know, been stricken with injuries. And uh, Pryor is the one with uh, the versatility, and he's uh, the one that's coming through and uh, – making plays there. But like I said, very happy to own both of these players. Uh, Nick, any chance, any rebuttal there? Uh, Well, I would just look at the quarterbacks that they have to face in the division. Uh, You know, Tom Brady, obviously, is a Hall of Famer. Uh, Tyrod Taylor and Ryan Tannehill, they're not great. But I would guess that the Redskins, Eagles, and uh, Cowboys right now would love to have either of those two quarterbacks. So, you know, (laughs) <laughs> Collins definitely gets the easier uh, slate as far as the divisional quarterbacks you have to face. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, next week, I, I, I tell myself every year not to get so excited, but I already have it. I already have rookie season next, and the 2015 season hasn't even started. But next week, we're going to be um, doing uh, Derrick Henry, who is a 2016 running back prospect, probably going to win the Heisman Trophy on Saturday, uh, versus a current NFL running back who shall be unveiled next week. So you're going to have to listen 
for that next week. And I can already tell you, Nick, that I am going to take Derrick Henry, so you don't have to watch loads of film on this guy. Uh, but uh, we will, like I said, unveil the uh, the running back next week. Of course, I'll tell Nick, you know, probably right after the show, so he can be ready. Maybe I'll wait a couple days to delay it. But uh, uh, pretty excited about that. Like I said, I already got rookie fever, and it's for your benefit, people. We, we, we look at prospects all the time and try to figure out how they're going to translate to the next level, and that's that's why we're doing prospect profiles later in the show. So uh, stay tuned next week for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Well, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis here. i got to have a clip for that, right? Yeah, yeah we do. here we go. My sound self-righteous, but and I know there's a lot of effects, but that might be my my some of my best voice work at the beginning of that. So, uh, uh, dynasty trade analysis. Just a couple today, since trade deadlines are probably done in a lot of leagues, and both of these obviously happened before last week. One of them kind of got lost in my phone, and I found it found it after the show last week. So it's the the latter one is a little old, but this first one I thought it was kind of interesting, and people obviously. Value is very perceptive, but what do we think about Marcus Sweeten for Justin Hardy there? Nick, what are your thoughts? Uh, this one really confused me. I just, uh, you know, maybe there's some buzz around Hardy that I haven't heard, but, you know, Hardy was unable to beat out Roddy White and uh, Leonard Hankerson for a job. I know Hankerson's injured now, so he'll get a little more playing time, but Marcus Wheaton is a guy that I would love to add anybody that's involved in that Pittsburgh offense. Ben Roethlisberger seems to throw for 350 yards every single week, so, you know, the number three option there in Pittsburgh is still a pretty decent option. I, I love the, the guy that picked up Wheaton here. Well, and I think, and I and I love Justin Hardy, and I actually again own both of these guys on the same team. I would not be surprised if Justin Hardy is starting Oppo uh, Julio Jones next year. Um, I do still honestly believe that, and I haven't consulted our guy at Felt Fans, Aaron Freeman, but I, I honestly believe that. And maybe just because I own Justin Hardy in several leagues, I keep telling myself that. So I, you know. We're looking at potentially a future number two versus a number three. I mean, he, Sweeten is still behind, you know, the best in the business, Antonio Brown, um, and uh, and Martavius. So I, this trade will, you know, obviously time will tell on a lot of trades, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what this trade has uh, has in store over the next couple of years and how and how it works out. I'm not sure. Wheaton's contract situation is either, and I know that the Falcons did feel very confident in Hardy. I think he's on like a year one of a four or five year deal, so I meant to have the specifics for you that for that, but I did not. Um, but uh, yeah, time will tell with this one. I, I I think it might be a more even trade than it looks to be, um, and maybe I'm just a crazy Justin Hardy owner, and I just I, I don't know. But uh, all right, this next one, there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of parentheses and a lot of a lot of things, but every somebody took the time and effort to put all of this on Twitter, so I'm going to read it all, and it's 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 a lot. So listen, um, sixteen team PPR 
full IDP. Now, Nick and me are not involved in this league, in this league or this trade at all, uh, but we are happen to be in a league with that, so we're going to give you a little background. And this is exactly why we are in a 16-team league, so we can give you back background and thoughts on something like this. So 16-team, PPR, full IDP. The trade, Dante Moncrief, Michael Floyd, Tyler Eifert, and two late 2016 second-round picks for Antonio Brown. Uh, now, AB, the AB84 owner in this already owns DeAndre Hopkins, Andre Green, and Mike Evans. So it says wide receiver, which rich, so he thinks he can get rid of Brown and uh, obviously build some depth in the process. What are your thoughts? We're getting some trade. You're getting some draft picks. You're getting two receivers to replace one, but you're also getting obviously a tight end that you can start every week. What do you think there, Nick? Well, first off, I think in a 16-team league, you have an act type of receiving core. Uh, A.J. Green, Mike Evans, and DeAndre Hopkins, that is insane. So, yeah, you had an extra piece to work with there in Antonio Brown. Uh, you got uh, Tyler Eifert, who's probably a top-three tight end right now with Gronk and uh, and Greg Olson. Uh, Michael Floyd uh, for wide receiver four, that's pretty good. And a flyer on Moncrief plus those uh, two late seconds. You know, if you're that loaded at wide receiver, you're probably uh, lacking at some other positions, maybe on the defense. So, yeah, I think this is a fair trade. It would take a lot to trade Antonio Brown, but I think this is enough in the hall that it's worth it, especially given his depth mm-hmm. receiver. Sure, and and I like the I like the future for Moncrief, where the Colts are just kind of a kind of an awkward situation, falling backwards into the playoffs right now. Potentially, I do like Moncrief's future. Uh, Floyd has been hurt all year, so his numbers have suffered. Obviously, his value has, too. Uh, Eifert, as somebody who has struggled (laughs) with tight ends in a 16-team league all year long, and I mean struggled, not pulled the trigger on certain guys, then got, you know, excited about other people and had to play a – what I can't even remember his first name, Fasano for Tennessee for as many weeks. Oh, it's been a it's been a struggle. So if you have an opportunity to add a tight end one and you're that rifted in another position, I think you need to do so. I think it's uh it's a great it's a great trade. And if you if you disagree with us, I would love to hear some more thoughts on this trade. This is a this is one that I think our buddy Burgundy could talk about days. Obviously he could talk about a lot of things for days, but I think that I would love to see just an article by Burgundy on this one because it's, it's an interesting one that he's he kind of pulled off something similar and we were all just like, whoa, that's weird, but uh, uh, yeah, it's a good one. I like this one. And I think next week, Nick, maybe maybe you can help help me out here. I think next week since Dynasty Trade Analysis is uh, not going to be as prevalent with trade deadlines done. Maybe we can look back on a few trades that we made or we saw that happened and see how uh, how they affected uh, the future and uh, current lineups. So if you, if, you, if you can think on that for me a couple of days, and uh, I'll see what we go from there. Um, let's get to some IDP sit our start now. This is an interesting one as we look at a couple of defensive tackles, and I do realize the multiple times I say interesting on this podcast that I, I'm telling you now I'm working on it. Uh, Jay Howard for the I put Jay Howard versus the Chiefs. He is a Chief. Uh, Jay Howard versus the Chargers, who 
Howard is a guy that had a great early part of the season. He's just kind of uh, fizzled out here and there. Not fizzled out completely, but certainly cooled off. So Jay Howard versus the Chargers or Linville Joseph, if healthy. He missed last week versus Seattle. Or Linville Joseph at Arizona tomorrow night. What do you think there, Nick? Well, you mentioned uh, Linville Joseph missed last week. He's questionable this week, but, you know, even if he plays, I'd imagine it'd be tough to play really well on an injured foot being a 328-pound man the way uh, Joseph is. Uh, you look at the match for Jay Howard going up against San Diego. The Chargers only scored three points last week, but they didn't abandon the run. They still ran the ball 23 times. So, you know, for a defensive tackle, I like to see him facing a team that it does commit to running the ball. I think the tackle opportunities will be there for Howard, so I would go with the healthy Howard. Yeah, I, I hear you there, and especially since uh, Poe has had some, been dinged up here and there, and if this game gets out of hand, like I don't wouldn't be surprised if it does. Maybe Howard sees a little more reps, and uh, yeah. Like, and to further Nick's point, don't look now, but not only did Melvin Gordon has 60 yards rushing a couple weeks ago, he had over 50 last week. So be excited, Melvin Gordon owners. Uh, they don't care if they're down by three touchdowns or two two touchdowns or three scores. They're still giving this guy the ball. So they're wanting to make this work. Uh, yeah. So I want to leave it at that. Oh, I traded Martavius Bryan for him. Oh, my gosh. There's some there's some trade backlash for you. <laughs> we'll call that next week. Dynasty trade backlash. Um, what do we think about Coney Ely? versus the Falcons or Jarrell Casey at the Jets. Now, I know Casey is DT available in some leagues as well, but uh, and I think right now this this year on my fantasy league, he is defensive end uh, eligible, I should say. So, Ely versus the Falcons or Jarrell Casey at the Jets. What do you think there, Nick? Well, Coney Ely did have an off week last week. He, he had some penalties and mental errors, but I think he bounces back this week. Uh, you look at before the game uh, last week, he had a sack of five straight games. And with Atlanta, even though Matt Ryan is struggling right now, the Falcons continue to air it out. He threw 45 passes last week compared to only 18 rushes. So I think Coney Ely is going to get another sack this week. I would go with him. Uh, yeah, this Carolina defense is pretty good. Um The Jets have not been the conservative team that everybody expected. Chris Ivory had some decent weeks early on, but since then he's really struggled to get things going. And the Jets may be a pass-first team, uh, even even though they're playing the Titans, who don't don't necessarily look like they're going to be putting up a big fight. Uh, the Jets will want to put them away, as this is a team that's you know lost some weird games here and there. So that, they want to put them away. They're going to be hitting Marshall deep as well as Decker. And I know that opens up sack opportunities for Casey, but uh, start your Panthers versus the Falcons. Start all your IDP Panthers versus the Falcons. Um, yeah. Ooh, this is an interesting one as we look at a couple really spotty defensive lines, Nick. Uh, I haven't done a pick a player really IDP-wise, but why don't we try to pick one defensive lineman in this bunch, this awful bunch. So one Falcons defensive lineman at Carolina or one Giants defensive lineman at Miami. Uh, get out your vomit bags. What do you got for us? Well, yeah, I mean, since 
since these lines are, like you said, really bad, I'll go with some upside and call me crazy, but I'll take Jason Pierre-Paul. You know, I know he's got no sacks since returning four weeks ago, but his game is improving. Remember, he couldn't work out much while he was recovering from that uh, hand explosion. Uh, but, you know, after only two tackles in his first two weeks combined, he has seven solo tackles and three assists over the last two weeks, and that's including five solo tackles last week. So he is getting better, so I think he probably provides more upside than anybody else. I really want to take the rookie Vic Beasley because I think he's going to be so overzealous in this game um, that he might actually get an opportunity to sack <laughs> Newton. But I, for some reason, I just see Newton just like flipping his shoulders and throwing Beasley like five yards behind him. Uh, so I'm going to go with Kerry Wynn, a guy that struggled, but he's had some very good success this year prior to P, uh, JPP coming back. So, um the Giants need this game, and I think they're going to rest on what's got them victories. And I hear the upside in JPP, but I think Kerry, I think Kerry Wynn does something in this game, uh, just because I think um, Miami's short game uh, is going to play into the way that he tries to play defensive end for the Giants, their short passing game. So I'm going to go with Kerry Wynn. Uh, Rolanda McClain, who all of a sudden has come back from suspension, and just been really, really trustworthy. So Rolando McLean at Green Bay or Jarrell Freeman. I think that's are they play are they are they at Jacksonville or is this game in India? I think I screwed that up. I think this game is in India. But anyway, what do you got? Freeman versus the Jags or McLean versus the Packers? What do you think there, Nick? Uh, well, you were right. The game is in Jacksonville. Uh, but Freeman's missed oh, the last okay. two games. And that that scares me a little bit in the playoffs. I don't want to play, start a guy, and then have him uh, tweak something and then only play five snaps. So, uh, you know, I think that I'll go with McLean. He's, like you said, he's been playing really well the last month. Uh, six tackles, two assists, three tackles, one interception, seven tackles, five assists, five tackles, five assists. Those are his lines over the last four games. That's pretty solid. I'm gonna, I, I would definitely go with McLean here. Um, and I do know that Freeman is supposed to play in this game. Uh, but, yeah, we might use the term boat race when we get to ATS time when we talk about this uh, Packers-Cowboys matchup. Uh, but that's uh, I think you're going to see a lot of rushing from the Packers in the second half of this game, and that's going to play into McLean. So I, I'm going to agree with Nick there on McLean. Have we just been agreeing on everything this today? I mean, are we just in good spirits or what? <laughs> We're not giving those people a whole lot to think about. Um, Kevin Minter versus the Vikings or Eric Kendricks at Arizona. In case you haven't figured out by now, I view this Thursday night match as a big game uh, for a lot of purposes. What do you think about Minter or Kendricks? Well, I think I'm going to go with Kevin Minter solely based on uh, the expected game flow. Uh, you look two weeks ago, Miami ignored their running back from Lamar Miller and lost. Last week, they fed him the ball and they won. Last week, Minnesota ignored their running back, Adrian Peterson, and got whooped. I think this week they're going to feed him, no matter what the score is. So, you know, I, you know, I think that the, the tackle opportunities are going to be there. Uh, Minnesota's probably not going to win this game, even with feeding Adrian Peterson. But for Kevin Minter playing linebacker, he should have a lot of opportunities. Yeah, um, I, I love Kendrick, and and I think 
I don't think this game is going to be a blowout. I think some people are thinking that, and this is a seven and a half point spread currently. But I think this game is going to be closer. And like Nick said, uh, the game flow is going to be uh, that's going to mean more carries for AP as opposed to maybe more you know more PPR options for David Johnson. So I think more carries for for AP is going to mean more tackle opportunities uh, for Minter. So I'd go with Minter. Uh, let's look at a couple of veteran safeties here, Nick. Uh, Barry Church at Green Bay or Mike Adams at Jacksonville. <laughs> we did establish at Jacksonville, right? <laughs> well, you know, as strange as it sounds, Jacksonville's moving the ball better than Green Bay right now. Plus, you know, there's less chance of bad weather in Jacksonville slowing down the offenses. Uh, you, you don't get points for forcing, forcing a three and out. You want your IDP guys on the field for long drives, and I just think Mike Adams has more of a chance playing against the Jaguars with getting more snaps than Barry Church against Green Bay. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, and I never thought I'd say that before the season, but Jaguars' offense is playing better than the Packers. Uh, this game is currently a pick 'em, as we'll get to that uh, with Chuck. Maybe he's got some different stats on us. So, yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that. I like that choice. Um, but I'm actually going to go with Barry Church in this one. He's uh, this is a guy that I've always really admired. He's had his struggles this year. He seems to make adjustments, and when he seems lost in some games or has a has a bad play, like he was the guy that missed the tackle on. The, on the only play C.J. Spillers made all year in that New Orleans game. Uh, he's come back the next week and, and done some really good things. So I'm going to go with Barry Church. What do we think about the Vikings cornerbacks, Nick? Again, I love this game. Um, just pick a Vikings cornerback. Obviously, we're going to have some guys matched up against Fitzgerald, John Brown, Michael Floyd. What, can you pick a Vikings corner to start in this game? Well, I think I would have to go with Terrence Newman. He's got three interceptions on the year for the 37-year-old corner, but no other player on the team has more than one pick. He's also got twice as many pass defense than any of his teammates with 10. Uh, Xavier Rhodes and Captain Munnerlyn both have a handful more tackles than Newman does, but I'd still take Newman. I just think he has more upside. All of them are pretty decent plays, though, I think, just because the the Falcons, like you said, or the Cardinals, like you said, have three solid receivers, so they're probably going to spread the ball around, and all their corners are probably going to see some action. Uh, yeah, I hear you, and Paul Palmer is certainly a mature enough player at this time in his career to to know that he needs to do that in, in a type of game like this. Um, what a great matchup as we have Xavier Rhodes going against Larry Legend. Um, but I'm going to go Captain Motherland. I think um, – I think you're going to see him lined up against John Brown in the slot, and I think that is a thing because I think this game is going to be closer than people think. Uh, that's going to be something that – that's going to be an outlet that Arizona looks for is to get Brown deep down the field. And I think there's just going to be more opportunity for Motherland in this one. So I think uh, uh, as, the, uh, as much as I want to see John Brown get that long touchdown and do his crazy arm dance, I think I think that's – it's just going to mean more opportunities for Motherland. And if it happens once, you know it's going to, they're going to try for it again. And then they're, they're tipping, the, tipping the scales more towards the captain once again. So I'm going to go Motherland in this one. Um, i got a few little prospect profiles here for you. Our ATS man, the voice, the odd man, is waits ever so patiently on the phone. Um, just a couple names I want to talk about. Uh, Farrell Cooper, wide receiver. South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, shorter guy, 5'11", 
200, excuse me, 2,000 pounds, 208 pounds, uh, <laughs> kind of Josh Huff, um, shoot, I had another name, Josh Huff, uh, Justin Hardy type. This is what I'm seeing right now. Others feel a little bit different, but that's what I'm seeing. So 5'11", 208, extremely good balance and very good quickness. Uh, kind of a restricted route tree at this point in time because uh, he's been used as kind of a wing back and, you know, the quarterback in a wildcat formation and a slot receiver. So he's not used to playing a traditional outside receiver in college, which is a lot where a lot of these guys come from. But he is kind of the speed guy, and he might be kind of restricted to a returner early on in his NFL career to make – to make uh, things work, but, you know, a couple of great cases, and I'm not saying he's going to be this player, but a couple of great cases of that is obviously Antonio Brown um, and Randall Cobb. So if he, if given an opportunity, he could certainly develop into a decent player. I think that's where he's going to have to cut his teeth in the NFL. Some view him as kind of a Percy Harvin uh, Golden Tate hybrid, which is ironic considering they – those guys had a, a spat when, way back when. Uh, but uh, I, just, I knew I threw like six comparisons out there for him, but just uh, a guy that I think certainly has an opportunity to do damage. I think he, you know, people are going to compare him to another smaller guy that came out of South Carolina and Bruce Ellington, who's currently the 49ers. But I think this guy runs with a lot more power. Like I said, with a Josh Huff comparison, Shorter, but over two, you know, under six feet, but over 200 pounds. These guys have better balance, really, you know, really decent sized chest, and certainly uh, strong thighs when they're under six and over 200. Excuse me. Uh, so that's Farrell Cooper, wide receiver, South Carolina Geekpacks. Uh Leonard Floyd, six foot three, 232 pounds. Uh, currently listed with the edge designation out of the University of Georgia, the Dogs, the Bulldogs. Now, Floyd spent much of the season as an inside backer for the for the Bulldogs, basically because of an overabundance of edge talent uh, within the Georgia program. Opinions vary on him greatly, and uh, uh, his lanky, slender flame frame, excuse me, almost certainly means he will be restricted to as outside linebacker at the next level unless he puts on like 30 pounds of muscle. Um, he's shown agility to avoid big blocks. Uh, certainly very Randy Gregory-esque, and you can take that however you like, but that's that's kind of what I'm seeing out of him right now. Now, I will admit, I maybe got a little overexcited, and that's why I wanted to talk about him today. I do listen to one of my favorite podcasts is the College Draft Podcast done by Ross Tucker, and uh, Philadelphia film guru, Philadelphia Eagles film guru, Fran Duffy. If you haven't listened to that, it is the dynasty ace the whole because they have been talking about guys like this all year long. They really like him, and I've heard people talk you know, negative towards him too. So I was like, okay, I really got to just sit down and watch film about this guy for myself. So I did um, watch the Bama game. He got swallowed up by Bama blockers. Now, obviously, Alabama – blockers, offensive linemen. These guys are NFL caliber players. Uh, SEC players um, are NFL caliber offensive linemen in a lot of the cases. So, And he even got controlled by Vanderbilt a little bit. So that really didn't leave me seeing him as a dominant NFL player. And where a lot of people were maybe placing him mid-first round, early second, I think he's kind of falling down my ranks right now just because, I mean, the guy looks – 
maybe it is the number. He wears number 84, but he really looks like a wide receiver trying to play linebacker right now. And I just maybe I just need to watch some highlights to see him actually make a whole bunch of plays. But what in the games that I watched with him, I have just not seen it right now. I don't have anything personal against the guy. I've just not seen it. And, and, and I, that's what you want to see out of these guys. You want to see dominance, especially a guy in the SEC. When you see a dominant player in the SEC, you have to be super excited about their prospects moving forward. And I am just not seeing it out of uh, Leonard Floyd, edge designation, Georgia Bulldogs. Any, any questions about those guys, Nick? Well, the wide receiver, uh, Cooper, he made the Josh Huss comparison. Uh, you know, the first thing I think of when I think of Josh Huss is that he's a great blocker. Uh, would you say the same about the, about that receiver there in South Carolina? Um, I have not seen enough of that yet. And just because he plays kind of that factor back where where he's he, they move him all around. Where when when you see him on the field, he's not out there to block. He's out there to make plays. And he's the guy that they've turned to in key situations. And so when you see him on the field, that's what he's doing. I don't have like a snap count percentage of and how they use him and what 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 at what position or whatnot, but that's kind of what I am seeing so far, and I, and I have not seen too many too many blocks from him, but he's certainly a great special teams player and a great returner too. So, you know, that, that might be another way for him to cut his teeth and make some plays in special teams. But yeah, not seen, not haven't seen the blocking aspect of him so far. So, uh, that is certainly something I, I'd like to look forward to. Any any other questions there? Uh, no, I think that's everything. No okay. need to keep Chuck waiting. All right, All right yes. The odd man has been waiting patiently for nearly 22 minutes. Chuck, are you there? Hey guys, how's it going? Um, oh, we're doing all right. Let's 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 put a hundred thousand dollars on this game. Hold on one second. Better money, Well, I think we ought to make a rule. Please, no more hip-hop music before I come on. I just can't uh, I can't control myself now. <laughs> uh, I thought I heard some shuffling around. Were you dancing? Um, sorry, I I had a very busy morning, and I just re- renewed my driver's license online like the second this podcast started, and I was kind of eating at the same time, so I just needed to take a drink of water. So I needed to delay, but I very. couldn't tell you guys that, so I just had to play play some music. Uh-huh. Anyway, how's it going, buddy? Hey, uh, yeah, I have a just a fantasy note before we get into this. And um, <clears throat> first of all, I didn't make the playoffs this year, so I'm in the four-team playoff to see who's uh, to see who gets the number one pick next year. But uh, the most exciting the thing, I, yeah, or the Shiva Bowl, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Um, the most exciting thing I've done in the last few weeks is to uh, I picked up Le'Veon Bell because somebody dropped him, and uh, I'm in a keeper league where we keep two players uh, at the end of the year for next year. Um, so there's a little tip. If you are out of the playoffs, maybe your season's down the drain, uh, a lot of players may have released really good players who may be a keeper for next year. So it's it's just one of those things you can do, you know, is that we've got an IR slot on our uh, – 
on our roster, so I picked up Le'Veon Bell, and then it let me put him on my IR roster. So, you know, look for little nuggets like that in the uh, in the waiver wire and pick those up and start thinking about next year. Uh, yes, very good. Very good. Uh, and it sounds like you got a great commission putting IR spots in there, and kudos to well, you for just, understanding how to use them. I, I don't. Yeah, I we, try, try not to play with too many smart people, so I don't like to let, let them figure it out and ask me too many questions. We Go just ahead. put the IR slot in this year, and you know it's amazing how many how many of the people uh, how many of the the guys in our league could have used about two or three IR slots. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the sad thing is, there's only one. All yeah. right, we don't want to we don't want to mention how we did last week, do we? Ooh, actually, I think I did pretty well. Oh, I was talking about our sweeps. Our sweeps were zero and four. Oh. Ooh, yeah, I knew I knew that wasn't. Yeah, about an hour into Sunday, I knew that wasn't looking very good. But I was ten and six. Yeah, everything well, that's good so. because uh, because my picks were not good. So I, you you guys often <laughs> picked on the opposite side of me. So I figured you guys must have had a banner week last <laughs> week. All right. Well, I've really talked up this Thursday night matchup. So well, what do you got for us? Is Minnesota visits Arizona? Holy cow! It was uh, started out at eight and a half, or seven and a half. It's now eight and a half. So you got to pay a premium if you want to take the Cardinals this Thursday. Hmm. Oh, wow. Well, I just haven't been able to trust the Vikings over these last couple of weeks. So I, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna let it, let that go. I'll, I'll give up those points and pick Arizona. This team is uh, pretty damn <laughs> solid at home. They do have the biggest margin of victory in the NFL too, and. Uh, they're going to get after Teddy Bridgewater in this one, so I see. I see maybe even a defensive touchdown, and that that swings momentum, and that's going to put them over the eight and a half. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think if Minnesota was fully healthy, I would probably take them to at least cover the spread here. But the fact that their defense is dinged up, uh, you look at their safety, Harrison Smith tried to give it a go last week, was unable to finish the game. Uh, they're just too beat up for me to trust right now, so I'll have to take the Cardinals, especially given the fact that Arizona is at home. Well, I'm ever the optimist. I'm uh, going to take now, Josh. You're big on the uh, on the defensive players and, and handicapping them, and I and I couldn't really get a get a grasp on who's going to be playing or if the guys that the Vikings were missing last week on defense are going to be out there or not. Have you heard anything mm-hmm. about that? Um, I just saw a headline in my busy morning that they're missing three starters, and and Nick, you know, brought up the potential of Harrison Smith, who's I uh, think set an NFL record for re- most tackles in their first four seasons. So if you're missing a guy like that, that's huge. And I know last week Anderson Sadejo didn't play, or excuse me, Andrew Sadejo didn't play their other safety. So yeah. when you're playing a team with three awesome wide receivers, you want to have your back end solidified. And I don't, I don't think that's the case right now in Midis- with the Vikings. So that's that's kind of another thing that tips those skills for me. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna set about making a case for the Vikings here, just simply because I do not like to give up eight and a half points, especially against an eight and four team. So, so let's look at the Vikings here. The Vikings had some guys get hurt last week. Um, now that happens during the game, and it's tough to make adjustments. Uh, now, now that I think they'll make the adjustments, I think they're smart enough on defense to make enough adjustments to be able to hold the score down a little bit, uh, and. Who did they play last week? They played the Seahawks. Mobile quarterback. 
Who is the other team? Another team they lost to is the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, I think, agrees a mobile quarterback. Two of the three games, the the only other game they the, the other game they lost on the road this year was at the Broncos when they played Den, uh, Peyton Manning. Not really a mobile quarterback, but they almost beat the Broncos if you remember that. So um, I'm going to look for the fact that uh, that uh, Carson Palmer is a, is rather stable in the pocket. And uh, Minnesota can be able to get a little bit of pressure on him. He, he's no—he's uh, not the same type of quarterback as Russell Wilson. Third reason I'm taking Minnesota is that uh, their coach Mike Zimmer got a hundred free burgers from McDonald's this week. So that—that um, that all adds up to a good effort by the. <laughs> oh, that's some good research on your part. Um, I did get the injury injury report here. Uh, they're missing Anthony Barr, who's kind of had his ups and downs this year, and Harrison Smith for sure. And Robert Blanton's also did not practice. So that's okay. their other. That's their third safety. So they could potentially be without. There's three. Their, their top three safeties, which like again against that uh, that trio of receivers is not uh, not good news. Uh, Lynn well, Joseph is I've also got a question ball there. Nice. Yeah. I've got an idea for that. Uh, since they aren't really playing Adrian Peterson as a running back, they could put him back there. Well, there you go. Uh, he is an athlete. Um, uh, moving forward, it's Chuck's. Ooh, who do I get? Who, cho- who chooses first year? I'll let Chuck decide. Is Nick Washington Reds visit the Chicago Bears? I thought this was going to be a really meaningful game. But well, you know what. If you take the Bears, you're going to have to pick them to win by a Robbie Gold field goal. So the Bears are favored by three. And do you want to go first, or should we let Nick go first? Hmm. I might as well, because you know who I'm picking. (laughs) I don't think Robbie Robbie Gold will miss – will miss two field goals again. In fact, I put him on my my fantasy team this week. I I think he, uh, he has a good comeback here. Let me get to my notes here real quick, and I don't think I have anything else. But um, the the, uh, the Redskins are horrible on the road, and they had a really, really big game Monday night and did not get it done. So I think the Bears will get it done here. Uh, let's take the Bears minus three. Nick, what do you think? Oh, I agree, definitely go with the Bears. And you know what? They, the Bears have a pretty decent offense now that Matt Forte is healthy. Jay Cutler's having one of the best years he's had in a while. But their best plan might be to just punt on fourth down. You get a 40-yard punt. Tom Jackson runs back another 20 yards. You're getting 60 yards of field position there. I, 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 you got to go with the Bears. Wow. Um, you know, I do understand that Washington's terrible on the road, but Chicago is not that great at home. I mean, they just lost to the 49ers. But uh, I just wanted to point, point that out there. It's, it's it's a clean sweep. Let's go let's go with the Bears minus the three. Uh Yay. I think we swept on the Bears last week and look what happened to yeah, it. Yeah. 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 I think it's been more than more than twice that we've swept on the Bears, but here we are. <laughs> um looks, ooh, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Huge game here. What do you got for us, Chuck? Well, same as the Bears Washington game. The uh Bengals are favored by three. Home team. Okay. I think Pittsburgh is, I don't want to say a hotter team, but maybe just a a more hungry team right now at this point. So I'm going to go with Pittsburgh since you're giving me some points. 
And um, yeah, Pittsburgh needs this game since he could afford to lose a few here and there. I know this is a hated rival, but uh, they also beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh earlier this year. So that that's that's going to come into play here. I think uh, I, I think I got to go with uh, the Steelers in this one plus the three points. Nick, what do you think? I agree with you. I just think uh, Pittsburgh has too many weapons out there with uh, three receivers for Cincinnati to shut down. And, yeah, I mean, Cincinnati's got a pretty good receiving core themselves. But, I, I, like you said, Pittsburgh's got a lot more to play for right now. Cincinnati's are all but wrapped up a playoff spot at this point, whereas Pittsburgh really needs the win. So I'll take the Steelers. I think a lot of people may be fooled from uh, by by last week's Pittsburgh win. They pretty much shut down the uh, Indianapolis passing attack. But um, Pittsburgh is still 28th against wide receivers, 22nd against quarterbacks. This is at Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati defense is 4th against quarterbacks, 11th against running backs, and 5th against wide receivers. And, you know, you're right, Pitt, Pittsburgh is playing for something, but I think Cincinnati is playing for something, too. They're, they're, they're looking at home field advantage, which would be huge for them. Well, maybe not given their history in the playoffs, maybe that huge, but, but it's a start. The Bengals are still playing, and they still care. So I'm going to take the Bengals since it's only a field goal. Okay. Um, wow, this has to be the Who Cares game of the week. There can't be a worse game than this, right? San Francisco at Cleveland. Try not to yawn. Chuck, what do you got for us? Again, I thought you were talking about the Monday night game early here. Oh. Um, <laughs> the Let's see. Let me find it again. I lost it on my sheet. You don't go with the, in the same order that I have them down here. The Browns are favored by one and one-half points. Johnny Manziel versus Blaine Gabbert to add to the <laughs> the boredom. Oh wow! Um, uh, let's go with San Francisco. They got a win on the road last week. Why can't they do it again? Nick, what do you think? Uh, I, I agree with you. The Forty ers are a changed team now, playing under Blaine Gabbert. Um, he, he looks like a completely different quarterback than he did in Jacksonville. Maybe he's just one of those late bloomers. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, I would definitely take him over Johnny Manziel, especially with uh, Manziel get, being the favorite by a point and a half. Well, I was worried for, about a little apathy in Cleveland. They they don't have much to play for, but I think it was a great marketing move, if nothing else, by the Browns to uh, to by their coach to start Johnny Manziel this week. At least it's going to fill the stadium. It's going to give the fans something to be excited about. And I'm going to go the other way. 49ers won a road game. They uh, they aren't going to win two road games in a row, especially coming out playing the early game in the Eastern time zone. Uh, although I guess the Bears are in the Central time zone, aren't they? Nonetheless, uh, I'm going to take uh, just on the strength of uh, of Johnny Manziel and the fact that I picked up Duke Johnson this week. <laughs> Maybe that's wishful thinking, but I'm going to take the Browns. Hey, Duke Johnson had a touchdown pass last Manziel start, touchdown catch. So there you go. I know he's um, he's good out of the backfield in the pass game. Yeah, he certainly is. Um, San Diego at Kansas City, little division clash here. Uh, you got double digits for us, Chuck? Sure do. Chiefs minus ten. Oh man! Oh man, that's. That's tough, but this game is in Kansas City. I hate to give up that many points, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Chiefs minus 10. Nick, what do you think? 
I agree with you. It'd be different if San Diego had anybody playing receiver for them right now, but it seems like everybody's hurt there. Um, they have no running game with Melvin Gordon being the top back. Uh, yeah, you got to go with Kansas City in a blowout here. Yeah, it almost looks too easy. Look, look what we. Uh, I, I, I think the uh, the line is uh, has almost caught up to Kansas City. They keep they they've won what six in a row, and I think they beat the spread in every one of those games and it just keeps getting higher and higher and higher but i i don't see <laughs> i don't see san diego stopping them uh kc uh has beaten the afc west in 3 of their last 4 games on the road and now they come home to play a division opponent so uh, <laughs> this is nuts uh but you know the one thing that may keep us off of this I'm, but I'm going to take Kansas City anyway. But the one thing that may uh, throw a little uh, fly into the ointment is there a 90% chance of rain as of today, Wednesday, in Kansas City for that game. But that's the only thing that I could see stopping the uh, the Chiefs from from getting a big win here. Okay, and you that's um, minus 10, right? Minus 10. Okay, that's a. Clean, sweet, double-digit style. Um, Yay. Hold on to your hats. <laughs> um, St. Louis hosting the Detroit Lions. What do you got for us, Chuck? Hey, it's a pick 'em game. You, this could this could be the who cares game of the uh, of the week, Josh. But it's a uh, it's a pick 'em. Just pick the winner, and you're the winner. Oh, one of these teams has to have like twelve percent chance of making the playoffs or something like that, right? So, <laughs> I oh, they do. Detroit, I, yeah, they have to be somewhere. I mean, they haven't been mathematically eliminated, right? I I saw a stat like the Saints have like a point zero nine percent chance of still making the playoffs. So, Detroit certainly has to be a little bit more alive than that. <laughs> so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Detroit. They're they're not the surfaces uh, besides the uh, concrete slabs there in St. Louis is not that much different from what they do deal with in Detroit. So I'm going to go with the Lions. Nick, what do you think? I agree with you. I think Detroit's going to come out angry about the way they lost that game against Green Bay last Thursday night. And, yeah, especially with no line and St. Louis just has looked bad the last couple of weeks, i got to take the Lions. Yeah, to take Nick's point a step further, Detroit has won three of their last four, and they should be four out of four. That was a tough one to give up last week against the Packers. Um, you know, the, when I when I first looked at this game, I thought, well, it's time for the Rams to fool us again and and uh, come out and play well. But but when they come out and lay an egg against a division foe like they did, you know, like remember we I, I talked about how uh, how uh, Jeff Fisher loves to beat up on his division. Well, the even. Even in that situation, they they not only didn't beat the spread, they just got humiliated. So uh, I'm going to look. It's a case of two teams going different directions. Detroit is on the upswing, the Rams are on the downswing, and all you got to do is pick the winner. So let's take the Lions and sweep it. Okay. Um, Tennessee at the New York Jets. Tennessee Titans at the Jets, and uh, the Titans will get seven points. Jets favored by a touchdown. And an extra uh, point. Nick, why don't you, okay. right. Nick, why don't you go first? Uh, uh, seven points, that's just too many. I, I think the Jets probably win this game, but Marcus Mariota's got these Titans playing pretty well, putting up 42 points last week. Uh, I think they can keep it to within a touchdown, so Titans. 
this is a this is going to be a good matchup, I think, for people to watch and maybe people that like to predict Mariota's future. This him against this defense um, is going to be a good matchup, and I and uh, like Chuck said, it's a touchdown and extra point, and we obviously know if you watch football this year, that is not a for sure thing anymore. Uh, but I, I think the Jets, like I said earlier, just they need this game, and they're not going to Mario to creep back into this. So I, I I'll say I'll take the Jets. Uh, minus the seven. Don't feel great about it, but that's that's where I got to go on this one. Chuck, what do you think? I found an interesting uh, interesting thing when I was looking up trying to find an angle on this game. Did you know that Tennessee has given up a hundred yards on the ground uh, only three times this year in their uh, in their what they played twelve games now. Um, hmm. The if you're thinking of playing Chris Ivory or a New York running back, you might uh, reconsider if you have somebody else better to play. Um, I just think I, I I just think the Titans are they have a lot to play for. They've uh, they really want to see their quarterback succeed, and I'll look for them to. Even though I think Jets will eventually pull it out, I'm I'm going to look for the Titans to keep it within seven here. So I'm on I'm on Nick's side on this game. Okay, uh, Buffalo. Uh, is it's the LaShawn McCoy versus Chip Kelly game as Buffalo goes to Philadelphia? Yeah, and the Bills are uh, are one point road favorites, Buffalo by one. Now, what I'm seeing currently on Yahoo, Chuck, um, Philadelphia. This game opened different. Philadelphia opened as the favorite. Is that right? Yeah, it probably did. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna check it. I've got it at my fingertips right here. Just need to click a thing. Uh, Buffalo, Philadelphia. It's now Buffalo by one, and it started out as uh, yeah, Philadelphia was favored by one. Went to pick 'em yesterday at exactly 9:55 a.m. Pacific time. <laughs> And uh, and then today it went up to there must have been a lot of money on uh, on Buffalo because the Bills are now favored by one. Hmm. Oh, that's a tough one. I, I I'm going to go Philly. I, I like a I like a home team dog even though it's less than less than a field goal. So I'm gonna, I'm going to go Philly in this game. I think they figured some things out, and I know uh, they got a few lucky plays to beat the Patriots in New England last week. But I think I think they can. I think they can take this one out. I think they have. I think they might be the most talented team left in this division. So they need, they need this one, and I think they can. They're going to realize that. Nick, what do you think? Um, I kind of have the feeling that uh, for the Eagles, last week was their Super Bowl, being able to knock off New England. Uh, Buffalo, they're they're playing pretty good. You know, six and six, they're still fighting for a wild card spot. So uh, you know, I I, I kind of think that the Eagles are in store for a letdown. So I'll take Buffalo. I found something strange. These two teams have uh, have only met twelve times in the entire history of the NFL, and they are six and six. And in total points, hmm. Buffalo leads. Buffalo leads in total points two twenty five to two twenty two. Uh, wow! Little interesting stat there. I I don't you know like to look at those things as far as picking the game, but it was just something that I found out. Uh, well, you know the Eagles are going to. Eagles are going to be probably at a disadvantage because I'm sure that uh, DeMarco Murray will be playing free safety this week, and then see if he gets enough. They'll see if he gets enough touches that way. Um, I'm going to take the Bills. The Eagles last week beat New England, but 
they had three defense or special teams touchdowns. Now, think about this. If the Eagles had not had those touchdowns and would have lost by like 14 points to the the, uh, Patriots, the line would probably be Buffalo by four or five today. Uh, As it is, the Bills are only favored by one, and they uh, started out as one-point underdogs. So I'm looking at getting a bargain on the Bills, so I'm going to take the Bills. Okay. Uh, Tampa Bay hosting the New Orleans Saints. Buccaneers are favored by four. Ooh. I was hoping for three and a half. Um, I'll still take it. I just have no confidence in that New England, excuse me, New Orleans secondary. So I think Winston's going to pick them apart. He's certainly proven to be a, a smart NFL quarterback already at this point in his time in his career. And uh, against the poor, poor defensive secondary, I, I, I like it. And I was hoping for three and a half, but I'll take a minus to four. Nick, what do you think? I agree with the, the New Orleans. They're just an old team right now. Uh, you got an aging uh, Drew Brees who's got a lack of weapons around him now that Colston's old and Jimmy Graham's gone, a terrible defense on the other side of the ball. you got to go with the young, exciting team here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You just have to think about this. Saints road, natural turf. The Bucks are in the playoff chase. The Saints are not. Uh, the Saints had their big game last week and uh, and failed in it. And I was hoping that... The Saints' defense would be different since they got rid of Rob Ryan, but I think they need uh, an off-season to get somebody in there and just readjust their entire defense. The Bucks are in a good space right now, and uh, I like their, uh, their their body language. And so you've got Tampa Bay on the upswing, New Orleans on the downswing, so we'll take Tampa Bay also and sweep it. Okay. Um, sticking in the same division, a lot of division games this week. Uh, Atlanta at the undefeated Carolina Panthers. What do you got for us? Well, the Panthers finally lost to the point spread last week. I guess, guess we can look at it that way. Um, Panthers are favored by seven and a half points over the Falcons this week. Seven and a half. You're going to throw that hook at us. Okay. Well, you, you hooked me anyway. I. I, looking at the way, like we always talk about hot teams and and who's on the upswing and who's on the downswing. Uh, like I said earlier, top of the show, this Carolina team got stronger because of that victory. Uh, they showed vulnerability and they still pulled it out. And I think Atlanta is not playing very good right now. Just lost to uh, a rookie quarterback for the second time this year. The same rookie quarterback the second time this year, so I just I just don't know how anybody can have faith that they're going to cover this. So I'll I'll take Carolina minus seven and a half. Nick, what do you think? Uh, you know I'm actually going to go the other way. I just think it's uh, too many points. The Falcons are losing, but they're not getting blown out. They only lost by four last week. They had a lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a fourth quarter lead this week, but I do think they can keep it to within seven and a half points. Well, I've uh, I've picked against the Panthers enough this year to uh, know I don't want to get burned again. Actually, I I, I won uh, picking against them last week on the point spread, but I don't see them. Uh, th- they had their scare last week, and if they're going to go undefeated, this is not going to be the game where they do, even though it's a division game. I'll take the Panthers, and uh, finally going to pick with the Panthers this week, minus 7.5. 
Okay. Um, lost my spot. To Jacksonville hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, right now there is no line on this game, but I just went back to the last time there was a line, and that was on Sunday. And in that one, uh, it was a pick 'em. So you know, let's just let's just call it a pick 'em game. I don't know if Hasselback's going to play or not. Have you heard any, anything about that? Well, and I think Luck hasn't officially been ruled out yet either. I know he was throwing, but not practicing in full today, so that's probably not a good sign. But uh, I haven't heard. I think I do have my injury report up here for, for sure. Um, yeah, okay, Lucky is officially out now, and Hasselback is questionable. Um, this could potentially, I would I would say, move that line <laughs> in Jacksonville's favor, right? No, I'm uh, laughing maybe, maybe because, could, because of the – I'm laughing because of the gamut you have there. Uh, maybe Andrew Luck, no. Maybe Matt Hasselbeck, nope. <laughs> well, maybe. And if he's not in, <laughs> then we get Charlie uh, Whitehurst. Whoa. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Who is their other quarterback? Good good, good thing that you know. And Jim Jim Sorge must be retired. But um, uh, Curtis Painter. Did they anyone? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Johnny you. But anyway, uh, I, think, I think you're going to see this game at Jacksonville – Minus three, and I'll I'll take them anyway. They need this game, like I said earlier. So I'll take Jacksonville to just pick them right now, and I'll I'm comfortable with it at, at minus three. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you. I'm going to go with Jacksonville. Um, I, I just have more faith in their offense, especially now with Alan Hearns returning from the concussion. So Borles has a full uh, uh, full arsenal of weapons to work with there. Uh, the Colts, they just it's just not their year, and I think. Pretty soon they're gonna just they're gonna stop playing hard because it's it's just not their year. They they know it. They have to know it, especially after getting beat forty five to ten last week. So I'll go with the Jaguars. Yeah, the big the big thing was how much uh, how uh, how badly the Steelers stopped the Colts' passing game last week, and the Steelers are not a good passing defense, and so. You know, I, I look for Jacksonville to just, uh, you know, they're at home. The uh, Like Nick says, the Colts are going nowhere this year, even though even though they're tied for the lead. It, it isn't their year. Uh, let's take, take the Jaguar. Isn't this one for first place? Oh, no, the, uh, the Colts are tied with, uh, the, Colts are tied with the uh, Texans, right? Texans, yes. Oh, what a terrible division. Um, all right. Was that a clean sweep? Yeah, that's a, that's probably yes. the creepiest clean sweep we've ever had. <laughs> okay. Uh, Seattle getting more than a field goal on the road again at Baltimore. What do you got for us, Chuck? <clears throat> Seattle getting more than a field goal? Um, honestly, I the giving, but no, I don't know what – whatever whatever you, line you have we'll use because – uh, I went to this one. There's no line across the board. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten different handicappers do not have a line on this game, and I looked to see what the original line was, and it says no line history. So nobody has touched this one. Okay, well, Yahoo Sports, where I do my pick em in a league with a bunch of fantasy experts against the spread, has it uh, Seattle minus six on the road. Good. Good, thanks. That's uh, something to go by, anyway. 
All right. Seattle, we'll, we'll do Seahawks minus six. All right. Go ahead and pick first, Chuck. How could <laughs> – okay, you know what? I'm going to start this off by saying how could you pick against the Seahawks playing the Ravens, but but I'm going to do it. Um I'm going to take the Ravens. I don't know why. I just, you know, the Seahawks looked really, really good against Minnesota last week. Now they got to travel again outside their time zone. I don't think they're going to do it again. They might win it on the last second of Hauschka field goal, but I am going to take the Ravens plus the points. The Matt Shoblood Ravens. Yes. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I know, and it, I, it, it's a real it's a real chance taking the Ravens because you know the Seahawks are going to get at one at least one pick six in the game. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry, uh, Josh. I don't think he threw one last week though. So, um, oh, he but, did. Uh, oh. Yeah. So, so that means he's due. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got to take Seattle on this one. I, I it's not I'm not crazy about it, but I just have no faith in. And what the Ravens can do, especially against this defense, I don't care if the game is on the moon. I'm, I got to go. I got to go with Seattle minus the six. Nick, what do you think? Uh, well, Sean did throw a pick six last week, and I think he'll probably oh. do it again this week. Uh, once you look at it, Seattle, uh, Doug Baldwin is just playing like a man possessed over the last month or so, scoring touchdowns left and right. So I, I think the Seahawks will win this one easily. Another yeah, pick the... six, seriously. I I took the Ravens just because it would be just idiotic to take to to pick against the Seahawks this week and uh a lot of times those work. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play contrary and for no reason at all this week. All right. Wow, wow. I can't believe Shab did throw for three hundred yards, but gosh, another pick six. Wow. Oh, wow, that's terrible. Um, so maybe he's not due. Anyway, oh, my gosh, I have to go first. Oakland at Denver. What do you got for us, Chuck? We have Denver favored by seven and one-half points. I, I'm i going to go with Denver, and I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to go with De- – or, excuse me, I'm going to go with Oakland. That's how confident I am. I'm going to go with Oakland, and I, I don't really know why. Two point, too many points for division games, especially after these teams played each other. I know Oakland is struggling, but they're not getting destroyed. What happened at the end of the Kansas City game was pretty darn fluky, and I don't think that's going to happen again. So I'm going to go Oakland plus the 7.5, just because I like the fact they're getting that many points. Nick, what do you think? You know, if this game was six weeks ago, I would definitely be taking the Raiders. But at this point, uh, you know, Oakland just seems to be falling apart. Denver is getting more and more used to Brock Osweiler under center. So I'm going to go with the Broncos. I I don't love it, though. The thing that bothers me about last week is that the Broncos only put put up 17 points against a uh, really, really bad San Diego defense. Um Uh, now they're giving up seven against a team that's probably twice as good as San Diego. Um, Oakland is weak versus the run. That means Denver will probably run the ball a lot. That means a lower-scoring game. When you have a lower-scoring game, you would probably want to take a, take seven points and, and uh, feel pretty good about it. So I'm going to take your Raiders, Josh. And I and I think I appreciate that, but I, and I think the the 
the game last week is more of a reflection on let's just stay healthy for the playoffs and not, you know, they don't need, they got the win. They didn't need to blow their doors off. And that's a, a smart, mature move by uh, Kubiak and Wade Phillips and company. Just, just kind of just coasting to victory there. They covered the spread. Everybody's happy. And that's what, that's what, that's what counts, right? Um, Dallas at Green Bay. Wait, yeah. Okay, it's much like the Broncos-Raiders game, but uh, without the hook, Packers giving up seven at home against the Cowboys. Just seven? I was planning on that being seven and a half. So, yeah, and I was picking the pack anyway. I love it. Um, Dare I say bolt race? It seems too easy, but I I just, I, I, come on. How how do they not win this by at least eight points? Right, Nick, what do you think? Oh, I agree. I mean, Dallas has Dallas has won one game without Tony Romo since 2010, and that, of course, was last week. And they don't get to play back-to-back games against the Redskins, so I can't pick Dallas this week. Got to go with the Packers. You know, I can't help but think. I, I think Washington choked that game away last week. I think you know they're they're so good at home, and they just blew a golden opportunity. And the Cowboys looked pretty darn good on on Sunday night. Now. The caveat here is the Packers haven't really been the Packers. You know, they could have easily lost that game last week. So that's it's kind of weird. You wonder if the Packers are really uh, any good anymore. But I think they're good enough to beat the Cowboys at home, and I think they're good enough to win by seven points. So we're gonna I'm gonna clean sweep this one. Okay. Um, New England at Houston. Yeah, this one has been flexed into the uh, into the Sunday night game, and um, I don't know. Were, was there not a better game? To, well, I guess it'll be a good game. Patriots are favored by three. They started out at three and a half. They're now three uh, in Houston. It is potential uh, division winners, and I think last week I said New England was flexed into the Sunday night game, and I was obviously completely wrong. And I and, I'm, and I am sorry about that. I just. I just read the read it wrong. Yeah, I remember that. Around. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I am wrong every now and then. Um, did you say three and a half? I said that started at three and a half. It's now three. Oh, well, give me Belichick and company um, on the road, minus the three. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I agree with you, and as a Rob Gronkowski owner who's got a first-round buy in the playoffs, you know, just hit him, let him get fully healthy. No need to get him out and rush him out there this week. Uh, Patriots can easily beat the Texans by three points without him. Well, the, da- the, the, the danger in this game, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pick the Patriots in this game, but the thing that scares me is, uh, is that, you know, a lot of people have uh, have lost a lot of money saying, Team X, oh, there's no way they'll lose three games in a row. You know, um, now you got the Patriots on a two-game losing streak, and uh, of course Tom Brady was supposed to be really angry last week and uh, and get back at somebody, and he didn't. Uh, the Patriots didn't, um, I should say. Uh, Texans have a good defense, but I'm still going to go with the Patriots because I can't bring myself to believe in the Houston Texans. Yeah, we all believed in them last week, and look where that got us. Um, and I want yeah. to say we have totally outdone ourselves since we were 0 and 4 last week. We're already at seven clean sweeps this week, and we're not picking any, <laughs> we're not picking any dogs. We're taking all favorites. Yeah, I took Lions notice on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I feel um, I've never felt. Hey, Josh, I've never felt so much more like the betting public as I do today. <laughs> uh, let's see if that can continue as Eli and his Giants go to Miami. What do you got for us? Yeah, that started out with the Dolphins uh, one and a half, and uh, it's now Giants by one. Hang on, I may be lying to you on that, so I'm going to check that. But nonetheless. <laughs> The Giants are favored by one point. I'll give you the the history of it right now. Um, let's see. The Giants were – well, uh, Miami started out as a one-point favorite, and the Giants went as high as one and a half, and they're now minus one. So basically pick them. At some point in time in this game, I feel like it's going to be evident that the Giants are potentially a playoff team and that Miami has no chance. So I, it's just – it's just what was what I'm sorry. What did you end up on a pick'em? I was thinking about my pontification. No, I mean I, the, the the spread is Giants by one, but that basically means pick by the one. winner of the game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with the G men in this one. Nick, what do you think? Nick, Hello, are you there? Huh? <laughs> you maybe did, got. Did Hawaii blow up? Nick, are you there? Oh, I think we lost Nick for a second. Maybe he has a mute button on. Go ahead and pick it, Chuck. (laughs) Maybe the poi was ready. Um, You know what? I'm going to take the Dolphins. I think they're uh, kind of freewheeling right now. They uh, probably are out of stuff, out of the playoffs, and uh, don't have much of a chance. But I like the the mojo with the new guys they're getting, especially Devontae Parker. Um, I'm going to... It's kind of dangerous to pick the Giants the week after they lose a tough game because uh, Tom Coughlin always always brings them back. But I still am going to take the Dolphins on Monday night. Okay, Nick, so are we you know back? we didn't sweep it. Yes, I felt like you just picked them to avoid sweeping it, but <laughs> I don't know what happened to Nick. But this is our last our last game, so yeah, isn't that weird? Nick will tweet it out, maybe. Well, let me review. Uh, let me review our sweeps for the week, Josh. We have the Bears minus three. Yeah, you're right. They are all actually the Lions are a pick'em game, so that's the technically yeah. no favorite in that game. We like the Lions. Uh, we like the Chiefs minus ten, which looks really dangerous. Buccaneers minus four. We all agree on the Jaguars are a pick'em over the Colts. Uh, Patriots by three over the Texans, and the Packers by seven over the Cowboys. Okay. Nick Nick Texan said he's just here is ringing on his line, so he's going to call back here in a second. But, uh, really? Okay. Yeah, like I said, we totally outdid ourselves with all those uh, all those pick-ems. So, uh, excuse me, all those clean sweeps. So, um, as always, Chuck, I'd love, like to thank you for having you on. I'd love to have you as the uh, – the Las Vegas voice of the Dynasty Pulse, and hope you have a good weekend. Make sure you look for Chuck's article. I will tweet it out. He will tweet it out. So make sure you look for that so you can place your bets Sunday morning. Thank you, Chuck. That's right. And you can follow me on Twitter at Chuck underline pod, P-O-D. That's just short mm-hmm. for my last name, at Chuck underline pod. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, man, thanks. Have a great week, yeah, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. You too, sir. Um, and if you you can just later on if you're reading if you're reading the, the write up for this, click on Chuck's name and go straight to his Twitter profile and uh, follow him. Um, next week, 
don't have a guest lined up, but like I said, I have an awesome dilemma, and we'll probably hit a lot of more sitting cinnamon stardom as well, so we can track you through the uh, the uh, fantasy playoffs. Um, don't know if Nick is going to be back to join us again here. I, he'll be back next week, I promise, but I'm not sure if he's going to get back in today, and that's okay. Uh, he was here, didn't pick the last game. He will tweet your pick out if you're waiting, his pick out if you're waiting desperately to hear that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am Joshua Johnson. Thanks to Nick Wagner for being my co-host as always, and big thanks to Chuck Podeski, the Las Vegas voice of the Dynasty Pulse. Thank you, and have a great day. <laughs>